0: You're listening to SAS Nordic, the sassiest podcast in the Nordics. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SAS professionals that are curious about how other successful SAS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products.
1: Join us on our journey as we speak to
0: Nordic SAS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. Today's guest is Susan rongqvist at HubSpot.
2: Like the editorial calendar makes no sense in the, in the world today, in my point of view.
0: It's time for episode 16 of the SassNodic podcast and this is a very special week for us.
1: Indeed it is. There's all kinds of, of great stuff happening. Absolutely.
0: We celebrated six months. It was six months since we started.
1: Indeed. Uh, I think we now have 15 episodes behind us. We have 10 Clubhouse events completed. And this week was uh, yet another new release from us. Really exciting, right?
0: Absolutely. So we dared to take the next step, take it to the next level and launched from start the largest community for SaaS professionals in the Nordics. And we did that as a Slack channel. Uh, We had more than 350 pre-signups and there was a lot of activity, I must say, the first days here. So very exciting to see where that will lead in the long run.
1: Yeah, very, very exciting, and like you said, it's been uh, kicking from from the get-go here, lots of activity, lots of discussions, so exactly what we wanted, you know, the the peers to, to chat with each other, to exchange ideas, so really, really good to see.
0: Yeah, and we will, of course, continue with the podcast and the Clubhouse events. And tomorrow, we will have the pleasure of having today's guest as one of the panelists in the Clubhouse session, where we will talk about content marketing and how to find your audience. So we are super happy to have a very special guest today. It's Susandra Nkvistamadi, amadi the only employee at HubSpot Sweden, and she will tell her story just now. Today, we are super excited to have Susanne Rönnqvist VP International Marketing at HubSpot, here as a guest at SAS Nordic. Welcome, Susanne.
2: Thank you very much. It's a pleasure uh, to be here.
0: We're so happy to have you here. And one of our former
1: guests, uh, Johanna Fogestad, mm-hmm. spoke so highly of you. And, and uh, you know, when, when we had our pre-talk, we felt like, wow, this is a lady that needs to be on the show. <laughs> so it's really cool that you could join us.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate
0: it. I know that uh, you have a really interesting background and also a story about how you ended up at HubSpot. But uh, maybe we should uh, just start with you telling us a bit more about yourself.
2: Yes. Uh, well, I've uh, you know I have a background in tech. I've spent the past twenty years or so as a tech marketer, and I've spent the past three years at HubSpot. And um, yeah, my background has really been. Um, I've always had a core focus and that has been to try and change the perception of marketing in a B2B context, move marketing into the driver's seat, you know, ensure marketing is an enabler of business growth. And um, it's been my mission since 20 years back. And I've been doing it somewhat successfully at a couple of companies. You know, uh, it's an exciting time we're in right now. Uh, There's a lot of things happening in, in B2B marketing and in marketing in general with the with everything that is going on and this sort of forced, more or less forced, like dig- digital approach that all companies need to have now to, to make sure you stay on top of things.
1: Uh, that's really cool. And we're going to talk a lot about uh, marketing and content and all of these things. But we've heard a rumor that susan is a fighter that's true Can can, can you tell us a little <laughs> bit more about this what, yes. what's this where does this rumor come from
2: <laughs> the, the rumor is true although it's somewhat uh something that i need to dust off a little bit maybe uh i have um I have a, a long background in martial arts. I started doing taekwondo back in the 80s and then moved on to kickboxing and Muay Thai. And I'm actually a Swedish champion in kickboxing two times in a row. Wow. Uh, I'm defeated in my weight class, actually, in Sweden.
1: Okay. Okay. Are you still active or are you still practicing?
2: No, not as much as I would like to. And I think, you know, things come come in between. Life Life happens. I have a son. <laughs> I have a son that requires... Uh, a lot of time but i i love martial arts and i do i do a lot of um speaking gigs at um or speaking mc jobs you can say right Uh, so in 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 the octagon for uh, professional mma events so i host a big show called superior challenge Uh, and so I, I, i i try to stay in touch with it like i've met a lot of my friends uh, from martial arts, so it's a, it's a huge community that is growing right. and expanding. Right, uh, it's a fantastic way to stay in stay in shape and just you know um, balance balance life a little bit from from just like. Being in front of the computer the whole day and just go out and kick, kick someone or something,
0: right, right? And being undefeated, so uh, could that s- suddenly be that someone up and coming want to uh, sort of challenge the, the old champion and then it's gonna be like, uh, no,
2: no, I'm way <laughs> too I'm way okay, too so old so, for so that no, right Mike now. Tyson. I, I, I wouldn't stand, no, 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 I wouldn't stand like I don't, I think I could last like 10 seconds in 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 you know in a fight today, uh, in the the the. The, the type of female fighters you see today is like completely different from how it was in the 90s and like early 2000 when i was as you know when i was mostly active so yeah it's it's a it's a completely different scene right now like they they'd punch me in like a second and i'd be out like there's okay I, I wouldn't stand
1: a chance right, right. It's, a, it's, it's a different world but it's, it's, it's such an exciting journey and yeah um i'm not a fighter myself i'd, I'd consider myself a lover not that fighters cannot be lovers <laughs> smooth Daniel, smooth <laughs> no that,
2: that that line is not that straight
1: no no that's that's true but i wanted to ask um how has this translated into work life
2: um, fighting is more like a ch- chess game where you have to like try and predict the next move of your opponent Um, and i i you could say it's similar in in like the the business world
0: but i guess hubspot they they didn't see you in the ring and gave you a call and and asked you to be a vp of international marketing so so how did you end up there
2: well i wasn't i wasn't actively looking for um a career outside my work at clarin so uh i was um really surprised and and flattered and and um humbled by the fact that they reached out to me and and um basically they gave me a call i don't remember if it was on a thursday or on a friday and uh, said that they were looking to change uh the way that they were working internationally like rethinking the focus about their international sort of approach and uh they wanted someone that had that experience and i i did so we met, uh, and I flew over to Dublin on that Monday, uh, to meet with the CMO and, um, the, the, the senior vice president of our, our go to market. And, um, we, we basically immediately found each other in that, <clears throat> in that conversation. And, uh, I experienced everything that I'd read about, um, HubSpot online. You know, HubSpot has a fantastic content repository. And I've learned a lot just by reading the blog, and I was experienced everything, uh, also, you know, from from a culture perspective, in that face to face meeting. Just equally as, it felt equally as good as it was online when I when I met with everyone in the team. So I, I joined from from there on, and super excited about the journey we're on, and super excited to be part of that and driving that international. Growth uh, forward and exponentially.
0: Okay, so did they want you to move over?
2: No, that was a, that's an interesting question because like um, HubSpot didn't have any any setup in in Sweden and and when I looked through the job description, it said work from you know work from anywhere, no problem. So it's like cool. I'm I'm never going to move out of Stockholm. You know I have I have a little son here. I need to stay here. So uh, you need to help me arrange for that. So actually, HubSpot set up a a, a legal legal entity to support my hire here in in uh, in Stockholm so they
0: started a a company just for you
2: yes more or less you can say like the the you have to uh, i mean there are some tax implications if you're hire if you live in one country and work in another etc so uh, they basically started started the official company here uh based on my hire so to speak
0: okay that that must feel really good
2: yeah it, it feels really it 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 felt really good and we don't have any other employees
0: okay uh,
2: in sweden uh, it's only me and we don't have a plan to hire in sweden either but we do have um you know we constantly expand the opportunities from work to work from anywhere and and we have a kind of interesting work model as well so when you join our company you can you can basically decide if you want to be fully remote if you want to have a flex flex opportunities so you come in a couple of days a week to work and you work a couple of days from home or you work from the office uh and that didn't exist at that time like three years ago we we never thought we would be in the situation where we are now right in the world um so yeah uh that's uh the the way that company's been supporting the fact that i'm you know a single mom (laughs) based in Stockholm we don't have an office here but I still work for for the company and I still feel very much like part of the whole culture and part of the organization and I think that's like a, a truly unique thing about our culture uh, and I think that's the I think it's like more and more companies are moving to this model uh, globally as well it's not only a hubspot thing we see this as you know with with many of other like friends in the business as well
1: yeah 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 and and we see that as well and but I think it's it's still really cool and quite the statement that uh, this big giant organization decided to, to, to start an entity, in in Sweden for you essentially I think that's that's really cool
2: yes I was kind of shocked actually when they first reached out to me I was like because I'd always been talking about HubSpot and how I admired their approach to you know always be helping always be available in markets even you know just sharing content and sharing insights without like extracting value from from you know a potential client or a viewer that that is what I found the most like you know exciting part about hubspot and like i always talked about it when i worked for Clarence. i was like you sh- you should watch the hubspot blog check out the insights they have etc and then then they called me
1: yeah <laughs> really cool <laughs>
2: really cool <laughs> and ask me to head up their international uh international organization it's pretty it's pretty cool
0: yeah, maybe someone would call us someday, Daniel.
2: Maybe, yeah. Who who would be your who, who, what would be your dream, Thomas? Who who would you want to call you?
0: Ooh,
1: that's a loaded question.
2: Yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I dare to ask, answer that one. But um, while you're thinking about it, Thomas, like clearly you don't have your dreams set here. Like I would <laughs> jump right away if AC Milan, a football team, oh yeah, would call me to do anything for them.
2: Even wash the laundry. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd like I'd <laughs> yeah. probably do it. I'd do it.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah And 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 maybe if uh, Marvel Studios uh, would would call me and uh, you know want me to be sort of a consultant for the next uh, Avengers uh, <laughs> movie, <laughs> <laughs> could be something for me perhaps.
1: But. Uh, Coming back to what you said, uh, Susan, here, uh, your interaction prior to, to joining HubSpot was a, a lot with the blog. And I think a lot of us have have bumped into that blog. It's such an amazing factory and, and just content engine of source of inspiration, really, really amazing. Um, but for the few that potentially don't know who HubSpot is, can you just in a couple of sentences tell us who is HubSpot? What do you guys do?
2: Yes, uh, I mean our company. We it's a we are a CRM platform that helps companies grow better, uh, and it's that's the heart of everything we do. And um, it's a it's a it's a it's a platform where so you basically have uh, other tools that you can pull into your product that works very well for everyone that has a, in a need for putting the customer first or have a customer centric approach in your in your go to market. So both from a sales and uh, marketing and services perspective, uh, that's, the, that's the core of, of, of what we do. And uh, we have more than 100,000 customers globally, and um, we are in more than 120 countries uh, worldwide. So uh, a significant uh, amount of uh, users of course uh, across different worlds uh, so different countries in the world and different cultures etc so a, a, a global go, a global company in many aspects
1: definitely
0: yeah, and where you stand out a bit with the product is that you offer a free crm plan as well right
2: yes absolutely uh, we i mean it's uh it's it's a pro like instead of having a trial we have a a free part of our tool so you can get started and and try and use the product and i've seen that as um you know it's a real it's a it's a good like it's a good first first step into to to customer uh customer centric marketing and it's a good first step for a company that wants to get in and, and you know invest in a in a in a CRM and get started and try it out that we have a tool for that and we have a tool uh, that enables you to grow with us as well um but it's a, it's a starting st- it's a starting step
0: yeah and uh, what's your ideal customer nowadays
2: uh i mean our our ideal customers really anyone that wants to put their customer first that wants to make sure that they have a um a, a focus and a a, a vision of Um, you know, giving their customers a fantastic experience independently of it's, if it's from their like the first touch of the website to, you know, the first interaction with a sales rep or uh, a conversation with a support function. That's really what our tool does the best. It enables you to give you a 360 picture of your customer and you can bring that into your conversations, enabling a more thoughtful, way of communication uh, or communicating to your, you know, prospect, client, or, you know, partner or whoever it is that you, independently of what business model you have.
0: Okay. Because then in my mind, it's, it's, it's mostly small and, and medium-sized businesses. Is that correct? Or, or do you also target uh, larger customers?
2: Uh, we target larger, larger customers as well. I think that's a, a, a misperception of our brand. That you uh, that we are focused only on the smaller sized and miss medium-sized kind of businesses. We definitely have uh, you know really large enterprises uh, and 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 we use HubSpot ourselves. I mean, we as a company, we have our own tool, of course.
0: it would it would be crazy if you used Salesforce, right? <laughs> that would be that would be weird. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. yeah, but like so, I mean, we and we're a pretty large organization. I mean, our marketing team, we're more than, I mean, we're getting close to four hundred people in our marketing team, and we're an organization of like thousands of people, and we use our tool ourselves. So it's definitely possible to scale with it. Uh, and it's possible to grow your business uh, with you know with our um, with our platform,
0: yeah, and I think it's good. We have talked to some other business leaders and that also, you know use their product themselves. And I think that's a great thing when when you're a product company that you actually, use it yourself because then then sort of i think your empathy for the end user is much better when when you sort of knows uh, what the day-to-day life looks like yeah. with the product yeah
2: it's kind of interesting that you say that as well because i mean our customers we don't just you know customer first is a very worn out expression like a lot of companies say customer first and they don't really live customer first in their day-to-day life. Like we bring in our customers, opinions, thoughts, and we take into consideration everything they say. We have a lot of vehicles for listening to our customers. So we have our company meetings are always attended by customers, which I I find kind of interesting. Uh, And so it's not only that we use our product and can we're our own customers, so to speak, but it's also really, really important for us to make sure that we continue to listen to our customers constantly not just say that we're customer first but we actually live customer first in everything we do and it's 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 in our dna and we align all our vectors towards the same thing and that is our customers so we actually changed a lot at hubspot last year and moved our all our customer facing organizations in under one leader to make sure that we really like live and breathe this on a daily basis. It every org- every part every department has pretty much the same vision and if if customer is not in the vision for every department I mean it's very easy to get the the vectors unaligned and that's really key for us.
0: Okay.
1: Right, right, yeah. And clearly what what you guys have been been doing here has propelled you into one of the leaders in the, in the space and I just, you know, for the sake of our listeners Wanted to ask you, Susan. Can can you put HubSpot and put some numbers behind this organization? You know, in terms of revenue, you already mentioned customers, employees. Just so people get a grasp of what type of exercise we're we're dealing with here.
2: Like I said, we have more than one hundred and twenty. Uh, our, our customer reaches like in we're in more than one hundred and twenty cu- uh, countries, which is pretty significant. We have more than a hundred thousand customers. We have uh more than 700 or we're close to a million more than 750,000 weekly active users in our in our product and <clears throat> we have another interesting um number that I'd love to share is that we have an academy, basically an educational channel for both customers and non-customers and partners. And we have more than 300,000 professionals that are trained and certified in our, in, in, in our academy, which I think is a pretty cool thing. Wow. We, we integrate with more than 650, um, application or app partners across the world uh across more than 30 different categories so it's it's a pretty a pre- pretty significant uh you know size and uh, we have more than four thousand employees currently so that's that that's the, that's subspot in numbers
1: yeah decent size organization i'd say
2: definitely <laughs> definitely
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and one person in sweden
2: and one person in sweden yeah. <laughs> but we we have a you know we have a, a pretty significant portion of our business in Sweden as well. We have a really we had a good amount of like partners in our our Swedish markets and our Nordic markets and our our our, our Nordic markets are like absorbing English content more than other markets which we which I find kind of interesting. So without doing a lot of like active in Sweden, or in Swedish, I should say, marketing. We do see a significant uptake from our channels in these markets. So, I mean, the proficiency of English here is pretty high, and that goes across, like the Nordics and the Netherlands, <clears throat> etc. And that's why I've why we've sort of kept our focus in these markets in English, and we see that that works really, really well here. SAS Nordic is growing and now we're launching a unique peer-to-peer community on Slack. My name is Nina, I'm the SAS Nordic Community Manager and I would like to invite you to join this exciting forum. This will be the place to network, collaborate and share knowledge with other SAS professionals in the Nordics. The SAS Nordic Community is free and open to everyone working in Nordic SAS companies. Come join us at sasnordic.com, we can't wait to have you on board.
0: We're going to talk a lot about content marketing today, and I know that you're really good at that, but uh, how much of your leads are inbound driven?
2: Uh, We we usually say that that number is like 80% of what we do is inbound driven.
0: And how much is paid versus organic? There, do you put a lot of money into adwords and that kind of stuff, or what is your strategy around that? The, the
2: way the way that we look at the markets basically is that we have um, we have this constant heartbeat, and 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 we, we the three of us talked about that before, but just to give the the listeners a bit of a context, like we have like we publish a couple of days times a day on our blogs in English, and between yeah between. F- five and seven times a week for our non English blogs. So that's really a fantastic source for 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 our for our leads and for the inbound traffic. Uh, But we do also supplement that from time to time with like paid advertising, depending on, you know, if we're launching something new, if we're entering a new market, if there's a misperception of our brand, like, for example, the one Uh, we had initially here that we are only focusing on small business markets, maybe we need to change the message and we pay our way into certain channels, of course, as well. So we try to balance that out. But it's like a small portion on top of the already significant amount of leads that flows in through our systems and from mainly from our, mainly from our blogs and the associated offers. So when you come to our blog, you have hopefully an appealing offer that you want to download or read more about or like be be proud of something. And that's how we operate.
1: Right. And I I personally have been visiting that blog, you know, quite frequently over the past few years, because the educational content, if you're working in in software sales or marketing, it's just astonishing and and great. And I've always been curious, um, like at what point do you, convert from this educational now you've educated me enough now you want to sell to me i think this is the the challenge for many many companies out there you you start with the high level content how does it work down the funnel and you getting me into a buying mode so to say
2: okay for 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 us it's about how you you trigger that motion we don't trigger that motion with you okay like it's it's we we look at we, we try to identify um you know high intent in your online behavior so to speak so uh the the we we look at different content types and we look at how that content type convert uh so we know for example if you request to speak to a salesperson if you ask for a demo your intent to buy is probably stronger than if you you know if you um if you download a template on on how to build a right. you know a, a social calendar or whatever it is that you know whatever offer you're you're consuming, right? So I don't know if that answers your question, but it's really about you triggering something with us that helps us identify your need versus us trying to push a need onto you. But we try to optimize our offers and, of course, make them. You know, convert as high as possible the, the key thing is to make the content appealing and have you try if you try and use our product hopefully that's a you know it's a nice trigger and a way for for us to to have a conversation with you on like buying the product but it's usually we we, we really look for it to be user driven versus like outbound us contacting you
0: so it's not like I'm downloading a few white papers. Maybe I click on some link in in the news, newsletters and bam, my scoring. No. I mean, my scoring is at a certain level and then it goes to a sales rep that reaches out to me. It's not like
2: that. No, that's not how it... Yeah, we have... It's more based on the type of content you download and the type of trigger that you uh, you make. your The, the initiative comes from, from, from is it's on the customer side, so to speak.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, which I love that. And I think that makes a, a, lot, a lot of sense. And I, I will give, uh, you know, uh, kudos to the HubSpot team because I've been downloading a lot of stuff and nobody has reached out to me because I guess I haven't been triggering the right people or or the right you know i'm, I'm downloading the, the the wrong stuff so to say my, my buying intent is not mature yet
2: yeah and I'm, I'm sure that there's someone here that oh like that that's not correct like i got contacted by a hubspot representative after just doing this one thing Right. and i mean we're not perfect uh it, uh and it's something that we constantly try to develop and we try to evolve within this area to make sure that we really meet the needs versus like pushing something out. And I think that's really the way that the world has changed. You know, we, I mean, definitely last year, but also like the power, I believe is so much more in the buyer's hands than it is in the seller's hands. If we compared like the world today from how it was when I, when I started doing marketing 20 years ago, um i mean we really we really pushed content we pushed our stories we pushed our editorial calendar we pushed our brand uh, and really it's like we 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 sold i mean we were we were selling right really now what we want to do we want you to buy right like we we want buyers we don't want to be like this uh organization that pushes out and like you know try to try to convince you to buy something it's we really want you to want to buy our stuff
1: right right
2: i don't know if that that explains it but it's like it's almost like turning the turning the whole situation around a little bit and empowering we really want to empower the buyer yeah it's key for us yeah and like we've we've done a really good job at hubspot talking to the users of our content yeah like we, we to the marketing users and i think like the, our focus now is much more into the like talking to the buyers and making buying easier than it is today,
0: and I mean, you're really good at creating a lot of content. I mean, you're sort of a content factory, but how do you decide on what content to create?
2: yeah, here he, and here's the misperception of content creation, Thomas, that I think is important that that like everyone should know and that these conversations I have constantly with marketing. You know, marketing managers and, and, and marketing owners is that like we try to really focus on providing, the world with content that the content that the world asks for versus us trying to push out an editorial calendar like the editorial calendars makes no sense in the in the world today in my point of view okay
0: stop 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 but because this is what what i hear everywhere this is a best practice you should sit in the end of uh, of the year before you should plan out all the themes and maybe you sync this with your product releases or supposed product releases and then you create all the content uh, after that so that's not the way to go
2: that's a very out that's a very inside and out perspective. Okay. It doesn't say anything about what your customers are asking for unless you've built that process into your creation of your calendar. Like I think the key thing here is really identify what is um what what are people searching for today? What are the things that are being debated, discussed, questioned, asked for? And how do I build that into a search insight report or similar? that I can use when I produce my content. So I know that I'm answering these questions online. Like it, that is like, uh, that's also like turning the whole, like um, uh, dynamic upside down a little bit. It's about ensuring that you produce something that people really want to read, not stuff that you think people will want to read and hear about. Right. That makes no sense to me. Uh, So I think those are the kind of things that was, that's been a really paradigm shift for us as well. And we've spent years producing fantastic content that had great uptake, take, especially from an English perspective. Like we see fantastic halo effects across the world. But when we, when you start exploring other markets, like how do people search in France? Like what are the things they ask for in France? Like the market maturity is like slightly different. There's a different type of like questions that are being asked online. How do we ensure we meet that? How do we ensure that we build a playbook that is not based on our Q4 plan for the next fiscal year, uh, and build an outside in perspective versus an inside out perspective? And that has been really helpful for us. Like we grow some of our blogs more than two hundred percent year on year, like unheard of number of people, you know, or, or or growth, you can say.
1: This is really amazing and uh, I wanted to ask for my sake and for the listeners' sakes, so what are the mechanics in, in aggregating this data from the outside world? Look, like, So how do you go about to know what's the outside world looking for?
2: Well, the first thing we do is like we look at the, the, the total search traffic. For certain certain numbers, and you can you, you, Google has all the tools for this. As an example, so we look at like search trends. We look at search volumes for topics that we want to really own. You know, if you have a search volume of X amount in, let's say, marketing automation, how much of that search amount do we think we can drive to our sites? Like, what type of content or insights do we have that we think can help educate the market on these topics? Um, and that, so that's the first step. And we build those search insights into sort of cluster topics. So we look at like, oh, these, you know, we, we know that th- this is a topic that can attract more search than if we only focus on this topic, as an example. So we build, we build an editorial topic, of course, we have things we want to talk about as well. We want also want to, we, we also want the market to be aware of our product releases. Right. We also want people to come to our events. We also want people to, you know, hear our new stories, our new, you know, strategies or insights we have that are specific to, 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 you know, to HubSpot. But we blend that in by this extremely focused search insight sort of repository we have. And from that search insight repository, we build content and we cluster that content so that we have really you know strong SEO both on our site but also offsite. So we intensely work with you know collaborating with uh, um, listings or the you know G2 crowds of the world, ensuring that we have um, sort of that sort of uh, domain strength, Um, on our sites as well I don't know if that answered your question there's a lot to take in but like we do have like it's really insightful process around how people search and behave and we look at their intent also the type of you know how valuable is that specific search for us, and the broader we go, the less we know that it will convert. You know, but the more we will get the more traffic we'll get to our site. So right. the more that the closer the search is to our specific offer, I mean, the 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 more intent probably there is to sort of invest in our solutions.
1: That definitely answers uh, answers my question, and uh, I wanted to also ask: and how do you take this this concept? Locally, so to say, do you do you run with a very local approach, or or do you have English first? How does that work?
2: I mean, uh, we we started up until like three four years ago uh, before I joined HubSpot. We had an approach where we localized content in our non English as we refer to markets, um, and we, we we basically what I was observing was that we hit a plateau. You know, we and we did not do a single research in a country based on that specific country's, you know, search behaviors. So three years ago, we started changing that. We invested in local search and local search intent. We looked at total addressable search opportunities in, for example, Germany. And we started producing what we refer to as native or in-region specific content that replies exactly to that in-region ask, so that specific, you know, topic that is interesting for that market. So we do a combination. We went from maybe localizing 80% of all the content to have maybe 20% localized and have 80% produced in region. Okay. So that sort of turned things around completely as well. And uh, all we have specific in country search experts as well so we have seo strategists that work in in our non-english markets to to ensure we do this effectively and we scale this through uh, you know freelancers in-house writers uh, a combination of efforts to to make it happen it's really a machinery and i think the biggest misunderstanding people have today is probably like oh we'll set up a blog and we'll do a post a week like that's it's never going to be enough and it's never going to help drive traffic to the extent i think is needed i mean we so it's 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 a volume and a value play combined that really brings that you know exponential growth in into to, to organic traffic
0: yeah and i guess analytics must be really important here as well to to look then how did people come to your site? What what did they actually search for and ended up on your articles? So, I mean, do you get any surprises there that uh, sort of gives you more insights or, or maybe you're... Yeah, we've had so yeah.
2: many interesting experiences testing out various content and you can drive. We had like traffic, we had blog posts that was around. Why do people hate the word? moist so much that drove the most traffic to our <laughs> site. Okay, so so yeah. <laughs> a couple of years that, ago. <laughs> that's that,
0: that's really strange. And did you find out why they ended up on your article looking for why people hated the word moist?
2: Uh, you know, I think I mean, you have certain you have trends in market that sometimes are like macro trends that we you don't really impact as a as a company. And you you might end up with like millions of people coming to your site based on something that is happening in the world that you can't really control mm. and you have content that has you know somewhat maybe replied to that question uh, but like that 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 intent with that search is probably not the best for
0: for conversion no. uh, yeah, so what yeah. was the conversion that
2: no but like those things, I mean that that's important I think it's it's about having I mean the, the, the like the further away you get from your the, the, the core of what you you sort of you um, you sell or or produce or like your company is about the 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 less conversions you will have have for sure so uh, it's it's a balancing act but I think the biggest mistake you can make is like just this disregarding convert CRO I mean conversion rate optimization needs to be balanced with volume growth and uh, I've had so many uh, you know marketers say to me no oh, I can't I can't optimize for both well you can't you have to you have to look at both like otherwise you'll end up with why do people hate the word moist kind of traffic? (laughs)
0: You don't want to end up there. No,
2: (laughs) you don't want to end up there. And it might be that it's super, maybe you work in, 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 maybe you have a solution that, you know, that (laughs) help mitigate the, you know, hate for moist, but I don't know. Like the the, the more, the closer you come to your core, the easier it will be to convert.
1: Okay, really interesting. So if I aspire to be a content factory like HubSpot, but right now I work for a small organization, like limited resources, What's your advice? Where, where do we start?
2: I would start with an analysis, uh, research on h- what search looks like in your market within the areas that you work within. Uh, just to have a basic understanding of the the, the TAM, uh, so the total addressable market, but the tro- total addressable search, p- probably, and then make a plan for how to conquer that search. Uh, that's, the, like the, that's the baseline where I would start. I would not look at I would not analyze um, buyer journeys too much. Uh, I think it, it takes too much time and no buyer's journey looks exactly the same. I don't believe it exists. That's one concept. Okay. I'd instead look at the, you know, the touch points I have, how do I optimize them? And for sure, if you, Daniel, go into our site, your, your journey will look different from yours, Thomas. Yeah. So, and that's why I think like analyzing that will drive you crazy. I've done it myself. I ended up like working on a buyer's journey concept for six months and I ended up with like, I don't know what it was, like 2000 different buyer's journeys. And I had, I, I didn't know what to do with it. It's like so easy to go into like an analysis paralysis and then you don't produce the content. I'd start with the search, identify the search and then. You know, A, B test, start playing around with different type of content pieces to to start to to drive traffic. Um, That's the most simplistic form of doing it and not analyzing uh, too much.
0: Okay. Great advice, I think. Definitely. But uh, what lies in the future for HubSpot? Uh,
2: We have an exciting journey ahead of us as we're um, building up our uh you know our, our our product and and our our offer to um larger companies so we have two interesting things from from a marketing perspective and that is like enabling uh the understanding of our the breadth of and our product and ensuring that we change that misperception is the core of what i do and then continue to expand our non-english uh yeah, markets it's it's a it's a it's a it's a very exciting thing that i that is in front of me
1: so are you personally looking for something do you need more talent or any anything particular that you need to get to the next objective here
2: first i want a vaccine that's for me personally that's my main objective right now <laughs> so i can start traveling and go see all my <laughs> fantastic marketers around the world uh, no but we're we're hiring a lot Across all markets. When we look for talent right now, it's a lot about content strategy, content strategists and non, non English markets. We're also looking to expand our, um, SEO teams. Uh, so, so, so hit me up if there, if you have great talent, uh, yeah, <laughs> anywhere that you, you could recommend would, you know, would, would love to join a company like HubSpot. We're, we're always looking for talent. We're hiring massively across the whole world in every single uh, you know office or non office i should say as well but everywhere
1: so it's it's a it's a shout out to everybody listen if you want to work with susan go to hubspot's career page
2: go to hubspot's career page i don't know how many open roles we have right now in marketing but i would expect that it's more than 30 online that you could see
0: and lastly who would you like to see as a guest on the show? I mean, we got you as a recommendation, and uh, can you recommend someone else for us to reach out to? Gary V. All right, let's raise the bar.
1: <laughs> Do you know him personally? Can can you introduce us? Sure. All right. <laughs> no. Now we're
2: talking. <laughs> All right. No, uh, uh, I, 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 no. I think he is. Uh, I, I like. I, I like his approach. I think he's very pragmatic uh, and. I think he has like he gives some great advice. Uh, most one of the most energetic dudes I've ever seen uh, mm-hmm. online, uh, and I think he's he's amazing. I'd, I'd love to see him on the show,
1: along with Thomas
0: and me. You <laughs> mean?
2: I have, yeah, of course. I mean, not not not, not like oh, I'd say <laughs> on par with the two of you.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. but I guess your CEO uh, have some connections that he can. Yeah, yeah, sure, sort of sure. Pull, so
2: I'll connect you. Uh Do you have a dream guest?
0: Ooh, that's a
1: good question. Um I I haven't thought of it so much. We were always looking for people that have inspiring stories. Yeah. So uh th- the story is more
0: important than the
1: name.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now we're focusing on SAS, but my dream guest, I mean, if I look at all categories, would definitely be Elon Musk. I'm a big fanboy. Oh, yes. He's the the true Iron Man of this world. <laughs> He's the real I- Iron Man.
2: Yeah, he is. Definitely would be an interesting person to bring on board.
0: Absolutely. But this was really interesting. I think that you gave a lot of insights and maybe some other angles than people are usually uh, thinking when they are uh, thinking about content marketing. So very valuable. And thank you so much for being on the show, Susan.
2: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: It it, it definitely was our pleasure. My mind is expanded. I don't know about you, Thomas, but this this was really good. <laughs> All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. That was a lot of fun, Thomas. Yeah, uh, definitely. That, that was a lot of
0: fun. Probably <laughs> the most fun episode we have had so, so far. I think we edited out some pieces, but we had a really great time with Suzanne.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah exactly. I hope, I, I hope that uh, at some point in time we, we will show behind the scenes and, and the stuff we had to cut out. But that, that was a lot of fun. But also there was a lot of Good pieces and lots of lots of great content in that. So, what, what's your what's your big takeaway?
0: I think that the mind blowing thing in this discussion is how how Susan and the people at HubSpot are thinking of when to choose what content to create. Uh, turn that fr- from an inside out perspective to an outside in where they actually look at what are people asking for what are they searching for, what discussions is there in, in the forums in the communities and so on and based on that they create their content instead of planning out the whole year looking at what they are doing internally creating content for that and try to drive traffic to that so and I mean that requires a totally other skill set to be able to analyze to be able to understand what people actually are asking about out there so uh, and also I think I mean everyone has a lot to learn even even us when we are creating content around SAS Nordic we should really dive into what people want to know
1: exactly exactly and I think it, it's it was a really bold statement but it's probably very true like you gotta scrap your 12 month editorial Calendar. That's that's not the way it works.
0: No, it's going to be interesting to hear if there's any stories here afterwards that uh, the, the the content uh, marketing content managers tells that to their CEO CMO that we're going to scrap the calendar for next year.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, uh, I I fully agree with you that that was that was an interesting take to to hear her thoughts on yeah,
0: that. Anything else that that you thought about?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I also appreciated how she talked about. Um, how they work with the content to get people into a buying mode rather than HubSpot trying to sell them. So uh, the, depend, depending on your, your consumption and your intent, how they worked with triggers. So me as a consumer, I'm, the, I'm driving the buying cycle rather than them driving a selling cycle. Uh, I think that was really interesting to hear and, and something that I know they've done really well uh, and we see a lot of other companies trying to pick up this type of momentum where it's, it's I'm the one setting the pace and not the company. Uh, but I know it's, it's, it's easier said than done. All of us or many of us still in very much in sales mode
0: here yeah and i mean they have so many visitors to their blogs and so on so that i mean in a way they can afford to do that but if you're in the beginning of this and you see that oh someone is downloading our white paper and you give it to the your uh, sdr team or so and they will try sort of to get a sales meeting with that person i mean it's very tempting if you're in the beginning of that but i think there is a lot if you have a, a larger strategy around that uh, there's a lot to be gained as well
1: indeed Indeed. Now, uh, like I said, lots of fun with Susan, uh and uh, really insightful. So, uh, And we'll have the chance to speak to her more tomorrow.
0: Absolutely. So if you s- want to have fun with us, join us in the Clubhouse session tomorrow. Join the Sass Nordic Slack community. Go to sasnordic.com and sign up. And uh, follow us on LinkedIn um, in other social medias if you want. And um, see you around.
1: See you around.